Welcome to Faith and Fable, a pastoral podcast that discusses common and often controversial topics from a biblical perspective. I'm Matt Miller. And I'm Matt Henry. And today we, well, first of all, we're in our new digs. Yeah, so you're going to probably hear noises. I mean, we're indoors, but we're like near the street, basically. In, in a basement, <laughs> surrounded by cement. Walls, yeah. We're in our bunker, and we have in wind. an undisclosed location. <laughs> Hiding from COVID. Yes. <laughs> and we have windows open, so you'll probably hear noises and the occasional animal. Yeah. So we're going to work on it, but it's our first time. We're excited. Sounds like it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we're also both in a really weird mood. Yeah. We're tired of being in quarantine and all the other things they keep doing to us. Yeah. But we have to make these podcasts. So we must. The world demands yes. that, that we do. So today we're uh, talking about the character traits of a good friend. And so we've entitled this Friendship Revisited. Um, And if you've been listening to us for any length of time, you might remember that we did an episode a long time ago on friendship, actually. Yeah, over 60 episodes ago. Yeah, you have in here episode 43. And and we're on like, what, 105 or? Ish, yeah. That is over 60, right? Please tell me my math is not that bad. (laughs) Yeah, but you know who you're asking, right? Oh, that's true. (laughs) So, but that was a a pretty well-received episode, probably one of the better ones to date. Which told me something, that a lot of people don't really know what a good friend is. Yeah. Or maybe they've never experienced it. Right. So we, well, in light of that, so we thought it'd be worth the time then to maybe expand on that a little bit, because there's a whole lot more that can be said. And so... Let us just intro this by saying that we know that friends are far and few between good friends, true friends. And so to have a good and a faithful friend, um, I guess at the end of your life would be a rare thing, would you say? Yeah. Um, And so too often you find that you must part ways for one reason or another, and we've all experienced that. But what do you, what do you look for when deciding if someone is a friend? Um, What should you in fact seek to be as a friend? Um, and so we just have several points, primarily coming from the book of Proverbs related to friendship. And so we hope that as we bring each one of these before you, that they will help you just to better understand what a friend is from a biblical perspective. <laughs> right, right. Um, and it's it's strange because friendship is something that we will talk about or think about, but in reality, we don't necessarily experience it um, it's common to hear people refer to themselves as being, you know, the introvert right. or the extrovert. What do you call yourself? I don't know. I, I walk the line. Yeah. Well, and I think I think I, I would fall. I would fall on the introverted side. But. I, I'm more like that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but give me a moment, and I can be very extroverty. So <laughs> <laughs> that's a that's a technical term for right. those of you not learned. Um, but. They like to define, people like to define themselves that way. And so to what to a degree, that's fine. But to be honest, a lot of people will use those as an excuse to not be a true friend. Um, and before you freak out over what I just said there, just hear us out, consider our words, and then 
what I would say is watch people. Just watch them for a bit and mm-hmm. see if what we're saying is not true. Because a lot of times the introvert is the one who is more comfortable being by himself for extended period of times. And that's great. Uh, they enjoy times of solitude. They want to think and read and create. And having people around tends to unset uh, those delights. However, this quarantine is showing that even the strongest introvert realizes that they get lonely. Mm -hmm. Uh, They don't enjoy the presence uh, of people all the time, so they don't actually pursue relationships that result in true friendship. And so now during these lonely times, they don't have a, a relationship actually to fall back on and develop. And so instead, what oftentimes introverts are really doing is they're avoiding the messiness that's involved in having a friend and being a true friend. And they all hide it under that guise of, well, I'm just an introvert. And so they can fool themselves into thinking that their friendships are few, but truly deep when in reality, they're merely, they merely just have a few people that they enjoy being with, but they're not actually deep relationships. Yeah. Um, Yeah. And then the, but then on the other side of the spectrum, you have the extrovert. um, And these are people who, uh, they enjoy people, frankly, and um, activity and would prefer to be around others uh, than merely be by themselves. I think, what do they define it as? That which you get energy from? Yeah. So, like, do you get energy more when you're alone or when you're around people? So, if, if it's when you're around people, I guess they would call you an extrovert. Yeah. I, I Somebody in our church described it that way. They, they need to be around people to get recharged. Yeah. And I just looked at them blankly. <laughs> I do not understand these words you say. <laughs> yeah, I I don't. <laughs> we, we have a yeah yeah. We're bad pastors. <laughs> <laughs> What's funny though is I feel like the bulk of people that come to our church find themselves to be introverts. So yeah. we're just like a bunch of introverts and yeah, like, just kind of <laughs> looking at each other. And then those few who are like bouncing around. Come on, come on, let's yeah. do something. It's like go away. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So the the extroverts they always tend to have people around them and they. You know, they find that it even helps them create and think well when they're around people. But again, we would say potentially often this is only an excuse for being a poor friend. They don't actually get to that that deep level or get deep into, what's the catchy phrase, doing life with others. Yeah. Um, Rather, they, they confuse activity and busyness as somehow being a lover of people. But people think that they have many friends when in reality they don't. Um, they merely have a lot of other people who are like them and they surround themselves with, but it never moves them into true friendship. They're just acquaintances. Yeah. Um, so it's interesting in Proverbs 18, 24, uh, the writer says this, he says, a man of many friends comes to ruin, but there is a friend, a friend who sticks closer than a brother. Um, now it is not saying here that having many friends is somehow a bad yeah. thing in and of yeah. itself. Um, rather, by understanding the the parallelism here, it is that often the one who has many friends really has no friends. Um, rather, they are only there on a casual level on the surface. That's kind of the point. Um, but there are those types of friends who are exceedingly precious and, and rare. And the writer here describes them as closer than even a blood relative. Um, and so for most people, we tend to move from being an introvert to an extrovert throughout any given day or week. This is what I mean, I guess, when I say I walk the line. Yeah, because there's a point. I want to be around people. I want to see how they're doing, interact with them. But then at some point, I want to withdraw. And I think probably your extrovert 
enjoys being with people, but there is also that point where it's just less frequently. Um, Regardless, uh, one of the points that we're constantly making in our church as we teach through the book of Philippians is the nature of relationships and community. Uh, The letter was not written to a group of individuals, but actually to a body of people. Uh, Because of their union with Christ through the Spirit, there is this corporate reality that is far more important than the individual. And so we noted uh, with the church the prefix soon throughout the book, and it's in the Greek. It's not obvious to the English reader, but boy, you can't help but read the Greek text, and it's just everywhere. Everywhere. Um, And it denotes, uh, it's a preposition, Um, it denotes togetherness or being associated with someone else. In fact, there's two common passages that are often not understood well by people. Uh, Philippians 1, 6 and chapter 2, verse 12. Uh, I'll just read them and all of you should recognize them right away. Paul says, for I am confident of this very thing, that he who began a good work in you will perfect it until the day of Christ Jesus. And the second is, so then, my beloved, just as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but much more in my absence, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Uh, As an aside, it might be of interest to you that we uh, just taught on these passages via video for our church during this time of quarantine. Um, If you've ever wondered what or how we teach as pastors, we would invite you to go visit our YouTube page. Um, You can actually hear what we're doing in our midweek study and our Sunday service. Uh, We both have chosen pastorally to not try to pretend like we're gathering as a church because we're not. Mm -hmm. So we're not doing a church service. Now, that's not a knock on anyone who does because most of them they seem to be doing that, yeah. But yeah. we're just we're just not trying to pretend that we're actually wanting our people to get sick and tired of not gathering. <laughs> um, we don't want them to say, "I kind of like this. I'm still in my uh, pajamas," and yet we still get the whole thing yeah. because that corporate reality of the gathering of the saints is so critical. But we would invite you just come to the YouTube page. Uh, you, all you have to do is go to YouTube. And then search under Missio Day Fellowship. Um, if you don't know how to spell that, you'll see it in our show notes. But we'll also provide you a link there, and you can hear us deal with this uh, passage in detail. But the point is this, that in both of those passages, Paul is using a plural pronoun for you and your, but the singular for the good work and the salvation. So it's our singular good work or our singular uh, salvation. So it's not everybody's salvation, but it's this one act of salvation. And so the point is simply this, that God is not merely at work in us as individuals, but as a corporate body. Uh, we're not uh, to just mind our own business and worry about our own Christian walk. Uh, rather, we are to be actively involved in the lives and the faith of all who are part of our local assembly of believers. And that requires the extrovert to go deeper than merely being in the company of others. And it requires the introvert to stop avoiding being with people. And it requires you actually to be friends with others, not just a friend, but a Christian friend, or another way you could say that is a godly friend. So what we want you to do is just listen along and we're going to go back and forth and, and develop some traits of what a good friend will look like. Yeah. So the first one that we have here is a good friend is faithful. Um, 
Now, on this one, fair weather friends are pretty easy to find, uh, but faithful friends in the times of difficulty are much harder to possess. Uh, Proverbs 14.20 says, The poor is hated even by his neighbor, but those who love the rich are many. Proverbs 19.6, Many will seek the favor of a generous man, and every man is a friend to him who gives gifts. And so a true friend is there in times of hardship as well as in times of rest and plenty. Um, they're not with you and for you because of what you give, but rather because they're committed to you as a person. And that's much different. Yeah. And and not for what they can give you either. It's not because you have jet skis. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) That's what you're looking for in a friend? No, but I actually had a hot rod when I was in my uh, young days, a really sweet Mustang. And I found out that two of the guys I used to hang out with, literally, I, I overheard them. And it just broke my heart, actually. They were Christians. And, and I thought my good friends and found them talking that really, they just wanted me around because I had a nice car. And it, it, it actually really knocked me for a loop. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was just so saddened because I thought, these are my friends. And I realized, nope. Uh, no, they just want me to drive them places. <laughs> Yeah, it was discouraging. You're laughing, but it was really, I mean, because I, I'm, I'm the kind of guy that I tend to take a person and that's my friend. Right. And so I invest a lot of my heart to that person. And then you find out that it's not being reciprocated. It's like, huh. So it, it was one of the little grow up moments where you start to realize that people are not always as they first appear. Yeah. But no, I, I understand what you're saying. We're, I think we're similar in that way in that. I've never been interested in having a wide range of friends or acquaintances. I've always just had one or two close relationships that I enjoy going deeper with. Yeah. And to me, there's something of substance there. But um, so we would say a true friend, uh, again, is there in times of hardship as well as in times of plenty? Um, in fact, Proverbs 17, 17 says a friend loves at all times and a brother is born for adversity. Um, you know, in the story of Ruth, we see that played out in uh, a wonderful way and actually a very touching way. Um, Naomi has suffered nothing but adversity up yeah. to that point. Uh, her husband's dead, her children are dead, um, and she's now a widow and childless. Um, both of these create a huge amount of vulnerability, um, especially a woman in that day. Yes, very, very vulnerable. Um, yeah, and so she she's to return to Israel, and she bids her daughters-in-law to stay behind. Um, But Ruth, uh, who's one of the daughter-in-laws, was a true friend, um, and she doesn't honor that request. Uh, (laughs) She's like, no. (laughs) um, Yeah, so she sees a woman here as a need, and so she just desires to be with her. And so in Ruth 1.16, there's that very famous verse, and it says, Do not urge me to leave you or turn back from following you, for where you go, I will go, and where you lodge, I will lodge. Your people will be my people, and your God, my God. And so it is, it's through that faithfulness in one relationship that leads to a, a new marriage and a new offspring, and then ultimately the line of David, which leads to our Savior. Yeah, all of that born out of a faithful friend. Right. Blows you away. Right. Um, and so... Uh, in fact, there was one British publication uh, that once offered a prize for the best definition of a friend. 
And among the, the thousands of answers received, uh, these were, this is the one that had won. And it said, a friend is the one who comes in when the whole world has gone out. That's pretty good. Yeah. Oh, and that pretty close to Naomi there. Yeah. Um, so being a faithful friend is, it's not always pleasant, um, nor is it about you. Um, and it is not merely always being there for the person. Uh, we would say there's also times when, um, you know, you might need to deal with a problem in the life of a friend. And so a faithful friend will also do that. Yeah. So we're not saying that you're just there through thick and thin. I'm actually thinking of a situation where this one person looked at me and says, I just don't abandon my friends. It's like, this is a friend you should abandon. This is a, a wicked individual going the way of wickedness, and they keep pulling you into that wickedness. You need to break it off. And they're like, no, I'm not that kind of a friend. I'm like, you're what the Bible calls a fool. <laughs> but um, anyhow, so the next uh, quality we would say then is a good friend rebukes us when, uh, when necessary. There are things that may simply need to be said to a friend that are not easy to say. But a true friend is one who is honest enough to tell us what we need to hear rather than to flatter us. A flatterer, in fact, is no friend. He is a one who will ultimately betray you in one way or another, for usually a flatterer wants something from you. And so in Proverbs 29.5, it says that the one who flatters his neighbor is spreading a net for his steps. That's, that's a fascinating picture. Um, so when you hear constantly the flattering speech, you should be wary because something is up. Uh, it's rather, it's actually better to be that person who seeks the well-being of your friend. And this means correcting or rebuking when it's needed. And so Proverbs 27, 5 and 6 says, better is open rebuke than love that is concealed. Faithful are the wounds of a friend, but deceitful are the kisses of an enemy. Now, that's not fun to do, but it's good to do, and that's the difference. It, it is here that when you examine a friendship, you realize that it is not a true one. Um, the two people are so busy trying to be nice and to have fun that they never get around to saying what should be said. And at times, this is simply because they don't know if they were to correct a person or a uh, uh, because they're afraid that they would become fair game too and that, that they don't want their weaknesses revealed and they don't want their folly discussed. So they both just agree. Yeah, so if I, if I point something out in you, you know, now you might do that to me. So I'm just going to choose to remain silent. Especially when you know there's things that you're doing. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and again, that's not friendship. Um, the hard reality is that most people want to change as long as it costs them nothing. And the change makes things more pleasant and comfortable. But that's not how life actually works. Now, this is actually something that should be part of the marriage. The closest of relationships on the earth is that of the husband and wife. And there must be that ability to give a word of rebuke or correction to one another. And it's also a basic passage for parents. Uh, too many seek to be the friend of their children. I've, I've encountered that frequently as a pastor in counseling. And it, it is approached not by wanting to hurt them or to rebuke them. A key part of biblical parenting is functioning as a Lord's arm in the discipline and rebuke side of a true relationship. You are teaching your children on what needs to be corrected in their life, and you're revealing to them what is lacking. But you're also helping them to learn to take a rebuke properly and redemptively. That last point is actually important. Yeah. If, if you don't teach little Naomi now, 
then what's she going to be like when she's 20? Well, she's going to be like a lot of these 20s who, if you speak to them even slightly uh, sternly, here's the word they use of me. You yelled at me. I'm like, I speak, I I think I've said this before. I told one person, I'm like, I speak to my granddaughter who's five more sternly than I just did you. And, And yet it was like, well, you really spoke to me. And harshly, and it's like you don't even know what harsh looks like. Yeah. Um, so when when we say though, um, you know, you should you should not seek to be your child's friend. You should seek to be their mom or dad. Um, what we mean by that is we're saying your your motivations for what you say or don't say shouldn't be so that your child likes you. But in another sense, it's good to try and be their friend if it's a biblical kind of friend where it's. You're, you're seeking to give correction or rebuke yeah. or say what's necessary to be said so that you can help grow them. Yeah, yeah, and and you're training. We'll get into this someday on some podcasts on parenting, but you're training your children to become adults and to leave, uh, not to hang around and be your best buddy forever. Um, so it's important that they understand that they respect you and that you're in every way, shape, or form to be teaching them and training them. And that involves that rebuke. Um, and, and at times, every parent knows this, your kid's not going to like you, not if you're being faithful to your job. And so, unfortunately, this is also something that will often end budding friendships. And that has to be embraced by us. Um, this is hard for us, often as we don't wish for the friendship to end. And so out of fear, we hold back when we should not. But at that point, all we've done is become their enemy because we're now kissing them when a wound is what's necessary. I hope people will take that to heart. Now, this is a two-way process, and it's often missed by us. A true friend will wound us at times, but a true friend will also be willing to be wounded. And if they don't wish to learn or to listen or grow and change, then likely what you actually have done is reach the limits of that friendship. And that's, that's reality. Uh, They have put up a do not enter or do not cross sign in some key part of their life, and you're not welcome there. Uh, A wise person will understand that, accept it, even though it is maybe very discouraging and hurtful. Yeah. So another um, aspect to friendship is uh, a good friend is thoughtful and tactful. And um, so a good friend is is going to be sensitive to our needs and weaknesses and but actually seeks to be redemptive and helpful in that and this is such a good balance to the prior point for some who you know they they love to be that kind of cudgel figure in a person's life <laughs> yeah the one who's like oh I'm good at wounding <laughs> yeah. but then but then they're very poor at at binding up now that wounded soul yeah um and off you know sometimes a scalpel will do doesn't have to be a cudgel every time. No. <laughs> um, In fact, usually yeah, the, the scalpel will do. Yeah. Um, and so a wise friend understands that it's, it's not always appropriate nor appreciated to speak into a specific situation at times. And that takes skill. That takes wisdom. Yep. Um, you know, and so it not only matters uh, what we say, but also how we say something, when we say something, why we say something. So Proverbs twenty five twenty says, like one who takes off a garment on a cold day, or like vinegar on soda, is he who sings songs to a troubled heart. Um, uh, twenty seven fourteen says, he who blesses his friend with a loud voice early in the morning, it will be reckoned a curse to him. 
Uh, Romans 12, 15, Paul says it this way, rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. Um, you know, I actually had a guy who said, you know, I'm so tired of people coming up to me and quoting to me Romans 8, 28. Hey, just remember Romans 28, 8, 28, to the point that it became a verse that was bad because he was suffering and he was se se severely suffering in many ways. And people came kind of like what it said, uh, you have a troubled heart and I'm going to sing you a song. Sometimes right. you just need to sit next to him. And there's, I've learned that as a pastor, there's, there's times you just have to say, I'm sorry. And, and maybe just sit there and let them weep or, or talk it out because you know that they know what's right. Mm -hmm. It's, it's that their hearts in turmoil. So let them just work it through, listen to them. Um, this is not the time to correct every error. Yeah, yeah. Because at that point, it's an issue of the heart, uh, like the emotions. Yeah. It's not an issue of the intellect. Yeah. What they don't know. Yeah. So you're not. I mean, again, you're trying to do surgery with a cudgel. <laughs> Doesn't work. Um, so there are will be those times when uh, a person is struggling in some way that's beyond their ability to maybe understand it. And so you know, maybe you've experienced this, and we certainly have as pastors. Um, things have crashed around a person in ways they didn't expect. Um, and, and the brokenness of this age we live in is, is fully upon them. Perhaps they're trapped by, you know, foolish decisions. Um, and finally, those decisions have come to yeah. fruition. Um, perhaps they're suffering loss of something or someone very precious to them. Uh, Proverbs twelve twenty five says, anxiety in the heart of a man weighs it down, but a good word makes it glad. Um, now, that does not come by accident. Um, th this comes through making it your life's work to become a wise man or a wise woman. Um, you learn to know the Word of God, but not merely know it. Um, that's not where it's finished. You also want to then become a skilled applier of it. Um, and so it's it's a rare person who brings or can bring peace into a mind that's filled with storms of life. Yeah, very rare. Um, but every friend should strive to become that. Um, then we would add another one. A good friend will sharpen us. Um, not only do we need to be challenged when necessary, but sometimes we just need to be probed, uh, stretched in our thinking. A good friend does not allow us to become intellectually, emotionally, and spiritually stagnant, but rather prods us onto higher and, and actually greater thoughts. And so Proverbs 27, 17 says that iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another, uh, or Chapter 20, verse 5, a plan in the heart of man is like a deep water, but a man of understanding will draw it out. Again, this is something that requires a lot of wisdom, or we find ourselves just seeking to get along. Uh, we can foolishly settle for the type of friendship that challenges nothing in us or the other person. And the result of that is that years later, nothing's changed. The same folly, the same shallowness, the same thinking is upon us. And again, this is where many friendships ultimately will part ways. It's it's sad, but it's again a simple reality. Yeah, yeah. Um, <clears throat> and I like that that iron sharpens iron one. Um, it's also important, I think, when when people are becoming friends or are friends that they they are truly two irons. Sometimes it's like iron sharpening butter. You know, they're not equal in that sense, and yeah. so it doesn't. A, a true friendship isn't really there, not because they don't like each other, but just where they are in life. Um, and so... That's a discipling relationship. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's a good way to put it. Um, 
Next, we would say good friend offers as wise counsel. Uh, those whom we will wait for the motorcycle gang to pet. Or is that a lawnmower? That's a lawnmower. <laughs> Are they cutting the grass outside here? Apparently. Uh, we're not as hidden as we thought. They're not practicing safe social distancing, we feel. <laughs> Any <laughs> Okay. Uh, yeah, okay. Yeah. So uh, a good friend offers wise counsel. Um, those whom he chooses friends should be marked by wisdom uh, and thus have therefore godly counsel to offer. Um, Proverbs 27, nine says oil and perfume make the heart glad. So a man's counsel is sweet to his friend. Uh, or fourteen sixteen says a wise man is cautious and turns away from evil, but a fool is arrogant and careless. Kind of like how we chose this location. <laughs> and now comes the ambulance. <laughs> Lena right now is thinking, how am I editing this? She's like, I'm not. That's okay. It's a small part of the yard and he's almost done. Okay. Well, I'll just keep going. And yeah. Let's just be true friends to one another. No, what we're doing is we're training people to compartmentalize. Yeah. And, sure. Okay. Um, so, uh, again, that 1416, a wise man is cautious and turns away from evil, but a fool is arrogant and careless. A common thing that everyone has um, happened at least once in their life is that they get deceived or they're tempted towards something that's evil. Um, and it happens for no other reason that, that we are sinners and unable to perfectly discern all things. Um, but this is where surrounding ourselves with wise and faithful friends can help us. Uh, a true and wise friend will see evil and warn you. And because there's someone you know you can trust, this becomes a huge help in your Christian walk. Um, they love you and it's therefore out of this love as well as a love for the glory of God that they're willing to speak honestly and at times even bluntly to you. Um, so while we should seek those with the above mentioned qualities to be our friends, um, we should also shun those who have characteristics which would hinder our walk in wisdom. Uh, would you say? Yeah. Um, uh, one of the hardest. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm thinking about that actually because uh, I know what's coming. <laughs> um, it. By the way, they are not supposed to be mowing today. They're supposed to be mowing on Thursdays, but I think it was raining on Thursday. Who knows? Who cares? He's all done. Um, but no, it's one of the hardest things about um, friendships is that you know you you start out with somebody who you think is a friend, but but you're not recognizing that they have these qualities that really are damaging and dangerous, and that the Bible would actually urge you to break away from those people and hold them somewhat at arm's length. And I hate to break it to people, but this is true in the church. There's just some people. Uh, that you're not going to be friends with um, or ought not to be friends with, and it is a hard reality. So go ahead. Yeah. Um, so what we're not saying, though, is that we show them unkindness, though, no, or treat them with yeah. no love either. No, don't, don't hear that. <laughs> um, they, rather, they should be given ample opportunity to change and grow uh, into a love of wisdom and godliness. Uh, we need to be patient with them as well, looking for when they attempt to put away foolish things. Um, but we would also say that these people should not be taking up the bulk of our time and energy. Um, it, so it, it is not your job to fix them, uh, nor would we say is it wise to spend so much time with them that they now actually become influent, influential in your life and they begin yeah. to influence yeah. you. Um, 
And so we should remember also those with whom we should have little time in our day-to-day -day living. Um, so we've witnessed the cost of not avoiding the fool in lives of countless people. Uh, at times you might hear a person say that they won't turn their back on their friend. You already mentioned this. Yeah. And the result is that they're led down a path that brings harm to them and maybe even to their whole family. Um, and so what they're doing actually is they're confusing loyalty with being a wise or a faithful person. Yeah. Um, loyalty is not the same thing as friendship. Um, but the Bible also warns us to avoid certain types of people uh, as close associates. And so we want to take just a moment here to consider those as well, um, because they'll never be true or faithful friends. Yeah, and we're going to deal with this fairly quickly. We'll just make a few points. Um, the first is that we ought not to associate with a fool. Um, Proverbs 13.20 says that he who walks... <clears throat> Excuse me, he who walks with wise men will be wise, but the companion of fools will suffer harm. I wish people would learn that, um, that they, they would understand that the, the life lived in the presence of fools only is folly. Um, you, you can't make a fool love wisdom. Uh, they have to repent uh, first and become a lover of wisdom themselves. And so, Again, what you just said, I'm going to stay loyal to this guy. He's my friend. I don't care what happens. It's like, and that's why you are in the situation that you're on. You're in. You're not able to uh, get this person to walk in a way of wisdom. And so he invariably will drag you down. Uh, in Proverbs 14, 7, it says, literally, leave the presence of a fool or you will not discern words of knowledge. So I, I've often wondered that one as a pastor in preaching, and you look at people who surround themselves with foolish people, and yet they come to church week in and week out, but you also recognize that there's almost no spiritual change in their life. Well, why? They can't even discern wisdom. They can't understand or grasp biblical truth because the voices that they're always hearing is one of folly, and so it, it captures them. Yeah. Um, we would also say we ought not to associate with those who have an uncontrollable temper, uh, Proverbs 22, 24 through 25 says, do not associate with a man given to anger or go with a hot-tempered man. Why? Lest you learn his ways and find a snare for yourself. So we all know that we're not sovereign, right? And sort of the definition of that is that if you're sovereign, it means you're unmoved or uninfluenced by anything outside of you. Yeah. That's an impossible reality for any human. And so at some level, you're always going to be influenced by those around you. And so if you're around, and we all have experiences, if you're around an angry person, you find yourself having a shorter fuse. I mean, you just get angry quicker. Uh, you know, if you're around impatient people, you get impatient a lot faster. If you're around those with good qualities and character, you find yourself working in those areas now all of a sudden. And so those whom you're around, that's kind of what you become like. And so if you're around an angry person, you're probably going to be an angry person. Um, and I like the, the fact that he uses here that you be, you're going to find a snare for yourself. It's just a trap, right? You're going to find yourself stepping in something that you're not wanting to step in, but your anger has blinded you to that. But in a sense, you put yourself in the place of the snare. That's the point too. Yeah. It's like, yeah. it's not that he lays the snare for you. You, you laid it. You, you say, it's not saying that you don't interact with these people. It's that you don't associate. And it's talking about that close relationship. Yeah, lear learning his ways. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then in 2621, like charcoal to hot embers and wood to fire, 
so is a contentious man to kindle strife. Yep. Yeah, again, you want you want uh, less anger. Stop hanging around angry people. Um, along with that, we also should not associate with those who are simply evil. Um, and so in Proverbs 24, 1 and 2, do not be envious of evil men, nor desire to be with them. For their minds devise violence and their lips talk of trouble. Or Proverbs 29, 24, he who is a partner with a thief hates his own life. He hears the oath, but tells nothing. And so this is very simple and straightforward. There are people who love to do wickedness and, and live in wickedness and, and produce evil in their life. And this gets into, I mean, friendships. As a parent, it stuns me. It truly stuns me the kind of friends parents allow their kids to have and maintain. It's like, why, why would you allow them to associate with a wicked one, a person who is so filled with um, evil, even vile uh, tendencies. It's like, no. Uh, and then they wonder, well, why is my daughter, why is my son like they are? It's like, well, that's who they associated with. Um, and, and, and they literally, you allowed them to hate their own life. Um, don't desire to be with them. Yeah. yeah. And then we'd also say, don't associate with those who have no control over their appetites. Uh, this isn't uh, just a category of self-control. Really not much comment is necessary, but Proverbs 28, seven says, he who keeps the law is a discerning son, but he who is a companion of gluttons humiliates his father. Yeah, but that's <laughs> brutal in America, <laughs> yeah. you know, right? I mean, I'll, I'll make that really simple and unpopular. You know, if you're trying to lose weight because you have a hard time controlling your food intake, stop hanging around other people who like to cook and shove food in their mouth in an uncontrolled manner. It's that simple. Yeah. Um, I mean, the glutton is just something, a person where food goes beyond the purpose of nourishment and, 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 and even basic pleasure, and it takes on its own purpose. The food becomes your comfort. The food right. is the way that you relax. The food, everything is oriented around that food and when you're stressful i gotta go get food that kind of a, a an idea in other words they just don't have control uh over that appetite well you can add that to any other kind of activity or um life yeah life activity that a person literally is utterly controlled with yeah um similar to that would be proverbs 20 and verse 1 wine is a mocker strong drink a brawler and whoever is intoxicated by it is not wise. Again, I mean, similar to what you had said about that previous one, though. Um, sometimes people are just looking to these things to numb them. Yep. Right? Yep. They have no control. They're, you know, despondent, whatever it might be. And so they go to these things to numb themselves. But you get around people like that, you start to take on that character. Right. And you can't be wise, not, not in that state. So... Uh, another thing we should not associate or type of person uh, is those who cannot control their tongue. This one's huge. Um, the words of a whisperer, like a dainty morsel, uh, they go down into the innermost parts of the body like an earthen vessel overlaid with silver dross, our burning lips and a wicked heart. He who hates disguises it with his lips, but he who lays up deceit in his heart, when he speaks graciously, do not believe him. For there are seven abominations in his heart. That's Proverbs 26, 
22 to 25. That's that's pretty strong language. He's like, now remembering that Proverbs were written by Solomon to his son in preparation to become a king. And and you can tell this one came from experience. Right. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's like the guy always whispering. Been burned in a few yeah. times. Yeah. Yep. Yep. And he discovers, no, no, you need to watch out for these people. And so he, he, he goes on even stronger words in Proverbs 6, 12 through 14. He says, a worthless person a wicked man is he who walks with a foul, false mouth, who winks with his eyes, who signals with his feet, who points with his fingers, who with perversity in his heart devises evil continually, who spreads strife. All of these are, are verbal things. Even when they're hidden in your heart, you're still thinking and speaking to yourself as you're devising this stuff. And that, as, as a father, the, the one we dealt with every sin there basically you could, but the one that we were most aggressive on was lying because, Mm -hmm. I mean, once a a child begins, every child's going to lie, but once that child has decided to become a liar, which is different, um, your job as a parent is quadruply difficult. That's probably a good (laughs) phrase, but... I think people understand what I mean. And so in Proverbs 16, 28, a perverse man spreads strife and a slanderer separates intimate friends. And so, again, who are you hanging around? Who are you listening to? Who is speaking into your life? And and if you find people who just cannot control their tongue, get away from them. Uh, Treat them with a a level of distance and distrust um, until they prove themselves to be different because they've repented of that kind of sin. Yeah. Uh, and then I would just, I would quickly add to that. If you're wondering who you should entrust yourself to or who you want to be an influence in your life, look to the people that surround them and the, and what they've produced in those relationships. If, oh, they've, that's pr- a good if, they've, one. if they've not produced anything good, godly, if they've not, if the people around them have not grown as a result of their friendship and influence, you probably don't want them to be the primary voice in your life. doesn't mean you have to be their enemy, especially within the church. Um, but be wary of their counsel, be wary of their words. Cause it, it I mean, the proofs and the pudding, right? Yep. Well, I remember dealing with this with our kids as they were growing up and, you know, well, she's my friend. It's like, there's nothing that girl would have to say that I would listen to. And I would just sit with them and be, I, I and it, you know, it, it was hard. It wasn't fun to have to trash their friend in front of them, but it's like, Tell me one thing that that person's done that's well. Look at how they talk about their to their parents. Look at what they do here and there. And it's hard because we were a pastor of a of a church, and and so we our children kind of were given the friends. Um, they right. they left a solid church, and we came here, and um, and so they had to make new friends, and they were rightly lonely. But there was times where I just had to say that person should have no say in your life. If you want to play volleyball with them, that's fine. But when they start telling you how to do something, just ignore them. Just nod and ignore them because nothing in their life points to that level of faithfulness or wisdom that uh, is going to help you. And when they didn't listen to me, invariably that would come back upon them in a very unpleasant way. I mean, I would find out that they made a decision. It's like, why did you do that? And, well, so-and-so told me, and it's like, and there there you go. You, You listen to a fool. And now you're wondering why you're trapped in folly. Well, 
you went that way. And so then you have to help them learn how to extricate out of that. And that's another job parents just yeah. do. Yeah. And so what, what you're saying is it's helpful sometimes to make a distinction between those people that you just, you have something in common, you enjoy doing stuff with. That doesn't mean they should now be the voice in your life. Yeah. You, you said that several times, the, a voice in your life. And that that's what a friend is supposed to be. A friend is that voice that rebukes you, but also binds up your, your wounds and encourages you and sharpens you. Um, and so you need to pick those people very, very carefully. And you're going to find them to be very rare. I uh, hate to say it, but you're going to find that most people can't give you godly counsel. And if you ever wonder that, just go into the various forums on Facebook where people are posting. So what's your thought? And people, every every opinion under the sun and what's devoid in it all is um, wisdom. Biblical wisdom is like, would someone quote a Bible verse? <laughs> would show someone show that they've, they've thought this through biblically? Um, but you don't. You just get this horrible, vile, worthless oatmeal. <laughs> you know, it sticks to you, but it doesn't do anything. Yeah, anyhow. Yeah. So all that to say is fr- friendships are a rare thing. I, yeah. I mean, a true friendship. Um, but Christians should be a beacon to the rest of the world as to what a true friendship is. Um, so Jesus is our true friend, according to John 15, 12 through 14, right? Um, also in, in Luke Luke 5, I believe, Jesus, friend of the sinner. Yeah. Um, so so he laid down his life on our behalf. It doesn't mean he's going on vacation with us, right? So it's not always friendships, not always the people you laugh with or, again, have the most things in common with, um, but it's what they do for you, how they shape you, those kinds of things. Um, and so in Jesus Christ, um, we are to now live out changed lives that come through belief in the gospel uh, because of what he's done for us. Uh, now the Holy Spirit indwells us as we yield to his power and submit to the word. Uh, we find the fruit of the spirit naturally working itself out. And and surely the qualities of love and joy and peace, patience, kindness, uh, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, all those fruits of the spirit, those are qualities of a true friend, yeah. true friend in Christ. And so all of us want a friend who can walk us through our various seasons of life. But the bigger question is that we want to leave you asking is if you are a true friend to somebody else, um, you know, w- would you see your spouse this way even? Um, and, and do they see you that way? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so just ask these questions and do a self-examination. Um, so we, we hope this episode helps you. Um, maybe to reassess some of your own qualities as a friend and also to consider those whom you're calling your friend. Um, may it be done in wisdom and grace and love, uh, but also may, may it be done for the glory of God. And so net, until next time, uh, we'll talk about something else um, and you'll have to find out what it is when you <laughs> tune in. But until then, we want you to make sure to tune in, join the conversation. We really would love to hear your thoughts on friendship. Um, And don't forget to like, share, comment, rate, and review. Connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And you also, please, do tell a friend. The biblical ones. The biblical ones.